You're listening to the Ontos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories in the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Mac. And I'm Vod. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. Oddly, on occasion, I sense a peacefulness within. You would think that after all I have seen, all that I have suffered, my soul would be a twisted jumble of stress, confusion, and melancholy. Often, it's just that. But then, there is the peace. I feel something as I do now, staring out over the frozen cliffs and glass mountains in the still of the morning, watching a sunrise that is so majestic that I know that none shall ever be its match. If there are prophecies, if there is a hero of ages, then my mind whispers that there must be something directing my path. Something is watching. Something cares. These peaceful whispers tell me a truth I wish very much to believe. That if I fail, another shall come to finish my work. Chapter 38 Here we go. Buckle up. Vin is launching herself, flying above Kredik Shah. She can see the entire rebellion now, having joined together, marching on the palace. At this point, she knows, just as Sazed said. She has to find a way to deal with the Lord Ruler. Otherwise, all of this is going to be for nothing. So, we get a car point of view? We get the, the Lord Ruler giving control over the entire ministry to the Inquisitors. Which effectively hands over power to the Empire. Yep, and in his point of view, we learn that the Steel Inquisitors are in constant pain from their spikes, whatever these are. But, and we also learn how Pocket Pewter worked. Indeed. As the, 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 the spikes through their eyes get rid of their sight as we know it completely but they can instead see in metal. Everything has metal. Every droplet of water, every person, there's metal in everything. Therefore, they can see the world in a similar but not really sort of way. I, I, I always imagine it kind of like way Daredevil, they did those effects back in the day. Or like uh, the Matrix when it's loading in, but it hasn't formed texture yet. It's just that like yeah, outline. something like yeah. that. And we find out the Inquisitors were have been sowing corruption in the Obligators the whole time. Just purely to take control. Just so they could take control in the end. The last bit of information we learn is that most of the Inquisitors have gone to sleep at this point. Because apparently, just being awake as an Inquisitor, it takes a lot out of you. And as Carr is thinking about them, you know, having gone to sleep and everything, then arrives crashing through the window. And we go back to her point of view as she burns the 11th medal. She lunges out with all the speed she can, with all the push before Carr's able to even like kind of realize what's going on. And she launches out towards the Lord Ruler. His shadows. The images she sees from the 11th medal. And she starts to cut through them with her knife. And nothing happens. Yeah, because when she burned gold, she was able to touch her past self. Or whatever self that was. Yep, and here she gets nothing. So, 
having having that failed, she turns and she has to f- begin fighting Carr because Carr at this point has you know woken up a little bit and has lunged out to try to fight her, and the Lord Ruler calls out for the Inquisitors, summoning them to get in here and to kill Vin, but only one comes out, the rest, MIA. So, the Inquisitor or uh, Carr is able to kind of grapple her, and the Lord Ruler is like, oh, you're done. Carr was a soldier in his past, you know, before I I made him into one of these things, before I made him great. Carr was a soldier, and he knows how to hold people who are bigger than you, stronger than him, and so there's no way you're going to break out of that, and Carr starts to essentially choke Vin to death, and there's no way she's going to get out of it until he kind of gasps and falls over dead. And standing behind him is another Steel Inquisitor having pulled out a spike out of Carr's back. That just instantly killed him. And What? And it's Kelsier. It's Kelsier. No, it looks like Kelsier. It's Marsh. Marsh. Marsh isn't dead. Marsh, that scene they saw, Marsh is a Steel Inquisitor. And Marsh takes, takes drops the spike. And as the Lord Ruler's going, what? One of my own have betrayed me looks over to all the doors where the Inquisitors supposedly are supposed to sleep and rest, he sees spike after spike stacked on top of each other. Car- like Marsh had killed the rest of the Steel Inquisitors that were here in Critic Shaw. Vin kind of is turn- kind of trying to, you know, get her get get her wits back about her. She had just almost been choked to death, and she sees Marsh with like even more superhuman. I'm going to say super misborn strength here. Super misborn speed. Lunge out and get behind the Lord Ruler and tear apart his 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 like dressing, his coat, whatever it was and look back, look down and try to see if there was something maybe in the Lord Ruler's back. And there's nothing. And with a single smack with the same strength he smacked Kelsier with, the Lord Ruler just basically backhands Marsh and Marsh goes unconscious and limp flying across the room. The Lord Ruler is so strong. He shoots out a steel push that Vin describes as she literally feels the metal inside of her stomach start to push against her. He's able to push her with the metal she's consumed. Which was supposed to be impossible, but you know... (laughs) what What is impossible at this point? Indeed. So he still pushes so hard that Vin feels like the metal in her stomach almost rips her apart. And he's trying, she, I mean, he pushes her so hard that her earring, her mother's earring that's in her ear, something that Kelsier said, it's good if it's in her ear, if it's in your ear, it's fine. No one can affect that. He pushes it and it rips out of her ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Again, supposed to be impossible, but you know, here we go. The Lord Ruler. The Lord Ruler is faster and stronger than literally anything else that, that, that has existed up to this point that we have seen. And he's also covered in metal. He's, yeah, he's also just covered in metal like it's nothing. Which is supposed to be like that's the whole reason the, the, the nobles like copy his style or whatever. But they're supposed to be like, I can wear so as much metal as I want because you're not going to be able to beat me. She gets pushed up so hard against the wall that she lands and she feels this pain in her leg and she realizes her leg is broken. Even with through pewter. Even through pewter. Her bone, like, and we saw, like, we saw in the fight with Kelsey where Kelsey mentions he's straight up blocking 
dueling canes because with his with his bone because it's reinforced by pewter. So with her leg broken, she's looking up, and the Lord Ruler is kind of looking over at Marsh and starts to kind of like belittle him and say, "How could you betray me? How could you do this when I made you dominant? I am God." And Vin, in her mind, is like, "Dominant." This guy doesn't sound like the guy from the logbook. This guy doesn't sound like whoever wrote the logbook dominant. He sounds like someone from the logbook. Who said that my people should be dominant? And then she remembers the images after the 11th medal. Then burns the 11th medal and sees the person in fur. The person dressed like a Pac-Man. And it clicks for her. This Lord Ruler is Rashik. Rashik. We'll go, we're going to talk about that for a while. <clears throat> Rashik must have killed the hero of ages and took the power for himself. Rashik killed the guy who, drew, who wrote, wrote the, who wrote wrote the, the journal. So the, the Lord Ruler, like she's trying to figure out, so how is this happening? Why, why is he so strong? Well, if he's a Pac-Man, he has Alamancy. He has Ferrochemy and Alamancy. And Vin looks down, and she sees, and she quickly scans him. Most of the jewelry is just on him. The jewelry has a purpose. He's a ferrochemist. But there's one set of jewelry on him that's actually embedded into the skin itself, and it's his bracelets. And she goes, well, you know, metal that's pierced into the skin should not be affected by allomancy, but I'm different. And he pushed on the metal that was that was in me. And so she starts to flare her iron as hard as she can and tries to focus and tries to pull on his bracers. And she sees all the lines come up around her. But and not then the bracers. The bra- and not the bracers. And the mists start curling around her because, you know, that's what happens to Alamancy. And you see two lines start to show up right where those bracers are. And she and pulls. Pulls, yeah. And, and the board ruler is pushing against her. You know, is it, it's his steel push that's holding her back. And she's pulling at the same time. And she pulls the bracers free. She's able to pull the bracers off of the Lord Ruler's arms. And immediately, he begins to age rapidly. He starts to scream, you know, no, no, what have you done? And as he lunges out to try to grab onto the bracers, Vin Vin sees that and pushes them out the window. Crashes through the stained glass. And he ages so rapidly that he falls down immobile. We see the old Lord Ruler again. Sazed, having arrived at this point, is wielding a spear. And Vin even says, bless him. This guy really thought that charging him with a spear was going to do anything. <laughs> but there he goes. And then you know, Vin's like, this, Sazed's like, who is that? And Vin's like, that's, that's the Lord Ruler. And outside, with the with the the stained glass being broken, they start to hear hear cheering, because the 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 Skull Rebellion has taken the palace. And Sazed has a fantastic quote here. He just says he just looks down as the at the Lord Ruler and goes, "Listen, he would he who would have been our God, the cheers are not for you. They were never for you. They were never for you. You lost. And the and and." And the, the Lord Ruler at this point is just like, you know, my church, you know, I'm never beaten. My church will do good. And Marsh stands back up and goes, well, actually, you just turned leadership of your church over 
to the Steel Inquisitors, and it looks like I'm the only one left. Your church will forget you, and I will make sure of this. And the Lord Ruler, in his last bit, his last breath here says, You do not know what I did for mankind. I was your God. Even if you couldn't see it, by killing me, you have doomed yourself. And then Vin takes a spear from Sazed and pierces it through the Lord Ruler's heart. The same way that he killed Kelsier. That is the end of the chapter. Oh, chills. Oh, my oh. goodness. Okay. Chills. Literal chills. Literal chills. Okay, so one <laughs> thing I want to make a note of immediately, keep this in the summary portion. I want to say I accidentally messed the quote up a little bit. He said, instead of saying, you do not know what I did for mankind, he said, you do not know what I do for mankind. And that's kind of important for going into the prologue, which we'll talk about then. Epilogue. Or, I'm sorry, Ep- epilogue. <laughs> I apologize. Epilogue. Oh, but, man. Oh, so what the heck so the journal was never written by the lord ruler it was never written by the what we kept thinking about that right like how the heck did did did, did this person who wrote this journal how did he become the lord ruler and it, it made, made no sense well it made some sense because at some point he was like i've done bad things but i understand they're bad i understand i have to do bad things you know you were thinking you were getting a sympathetic guy but this as soon as Vin starts interacting with them it's like this really cold guy who's been around for like a thousand years, so who knows who you could be, but Rashik. Man, when I read that the first time, I was like, Rashik? Who, the, they're like the terrorist Pac-Man. I was like, oh, okay. I, I just kept missing the name Rashik. And then I realized afterwards, like, oh, it was one of those people who were taking him up. We highly encourage this, because this is something I did after I finished the book. Uh, and I, I want to say in our epigraph episode, I said this too. The reason we, we put the first few epigraphs together and we waited was it felt more like its own little bit of a story there. I highly recommend doing this. It's what I did after I finished the first book. Go back and reread all of the epigraphs, all in, in a row and in order, and just take it in. Take in what was direct, basically directly in front of us, like, I think that's the reason I said, hey, we should actually hold off on the epigraphs for the first couple of chapters and read them all kind of as a whole, was because individually, like you've mentioned, you missed so many things having to do with Rashik. You even said, what the, you know, who is who Rashik? Is Rashik? <laughs> and I did too my first time. It was, I didn't realize how important they were, how important these epigraphs were. I always kind of felt like they were there to kind of set a mood. But in reality, they were some really cool information. Really, really neat stuff. I mean, you, they, he talks about how when they, the ferrochemists, they talk about, oh, the terrorists have these powers. And why did, why did the Lord Ruler fear the ferrochemists so much? He was one. He was one. He couldn't let that, that idea get out to everybody. And in epilogue, we're, gonna, we're actually going to get like a huge, gigantic info dump, and we're going to go into that more. Dude, it, make, it gets me so hype. Why did the 11th medal work? The Eleventh mm-hmm. Metal showed you what he would have been what had things turned different. He was, it was a just, Pac-Man. He was a terrorist. It was to show that he had ferrochemy and that no one knew what ferrochemy was except for the keepers and like a few select people. And no one has ever heard of a ferrochemist who also had allomancy, you know. And so we're getting like the details for this of the epilogue yeah. are huge. Yeah, we'll talk about that more there because it has his own thoughts about what could have been happening. So we'll get to that point later, but let's keep... Oh. 
And I think you mentioned something off of off mic that I, I think you should reiterate again. What should we dissuade newer people from doing? The, you may be tempted to go to Coppermind and try to reread the epilogues. Do not, because yeah, we actually I was actually going to make the recommendation to do it, but there's actually spoilers on even those. So kind of how we mentioned in our first episode again of how we wanted to the reason one of the main reasons why we want to do this is to try to shield people from spoilers while also you know being that 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 those people you can enjoy the book with and share and kind of see other other views on it and everything but here's the thing you run a huge risk every time because those very much are they're very well done they're one of oh, copper mine 17 all of it is such a good reference and such good information for after you finish the cosmere because they don't hold back they will show you everything right and and so there there's some great communities to kind of like talk with people about it you know if you get a chance uh you can actually you can even email us at talkontos at gmail.com uh that's talk o-n-t-o-s at gmail.com and we can answer things for you we're going to try to set up you know communities and stuff to ask questions but that's how i would ask questions don't go into the copper mind because you will get spoiled especially this early in your cosmere journey yeah there, there are also some really good like places on reddit that people are very good at helping right. shield you from spoilers right the the communities on reddit uh our miss born our cosmere our brandon sanderson um, they're really, really good, and they have very strict spoiler policies in place. You can still get lost in there because you know the comments can pop up without you going. But if you have questions, there those are pretty good places to go to. Um, but this was something when well, my first read through that I was also like not crazy about was Marsh X Machina. Um, I was like, what the heck? So he came out of nowhere, and suddenly he's one of the most powerful beings ever. And again, it's because I missed the setup from the beginning. He he was singled out very early on because he was a very strong seeker. He was a strong seeker, and um, the mistings among the obligators are really, really highly regarded. And he was making himself an overachiever, like this big guy. He was taking it seriously, unlike these other obligators who were like, you know, all all laid back. He was showing that he was actually a really big fanatic, um, and so he was isolated. And, and what did the Steel Inquisitors? What did he say about them? They are fanatics for the Lord Ruler, and whatever, for whatever reason, they look for other seekers. They look for seekers. Right, and so he was he was showing himself up as like one of these people that, hey, you know, we could really get into this guy. And, you know, uh, in the end, like him being, you know, recruited as an Inquisitor, which again, we're going to go into more in the epilogue, um, makes a lot of sense. Like actually, you know, it, it makes some sense. Of course, you can't drop that in. Because otherwise you're going to be expecting him to come out. But of course, like, you know, there's only 20 or so Inquisitors uh, anywhere. And a third of them, eight, you know, are already here by the Lord Ruler. Statistically, he's going to be there. Yeah. And let's talk continuity here, because this is something that, you know, you might be able to expect in our future episodes when we start having enough books uh, in our timeline completed. We're going to have another episode where we discuss spoilers, but they're going to be our timeline spoilers where it's like we're going to say, hey, we're only going to spoil up to what we've read. Right. So you're, if you're following along with us, you're going to be shielded from spoilers you know, in the future when we maybe start Stormlight Archive. No, no big deal there. But one thing in continuity that we can talk about here is in the previous chapter, there was, you know, when all the Steel Inquisitors went out to kill the Lord Praelin, it talked about how Carr, who was holding Vin, didn't do it. 
and there was one other inquisitor guy. who didn't do it and it was marsh it was marsh and again i missed it until you told me about it literally when you said it during the episode i was like oh yeah <laughs> like <laughs> that makes sense but one of the things we talked about um off mic that um I was nerding out about, and this is a Brandon Sanderson thing. I've never seen this before. I've n- I, and still to this day, I can't tell you where I've seen this before. Vin went in with a plan and it was a good plan. She was like, I was able to interact with my gold, you know, persona. I must be able to kill his past self before he was the Lord ruler, you know, or something. I was, maybe he, that person's vulnerable. So I burned this and I should be able to interact. Nope. It failed completely failed and that would have been like an interesting reveal ah yes that that explains the gold thing that explains how gold is useful right but nope it failed epically and then marsh comes out and goes oh by the way i found that i know the secret now to killing still inquisitors and it has to deal with pulling the spike out of their back i'm gonna go pull the lord ruler's spike that must be nope he doesn't have a spike again a perfectly good explanation that came out of kind of nowhere, but it was like, ah, oh, yes, there you go. We figured, nope, epically failed. I just love that. I've never seen that before where they pull out actually good, plausible. Re- yeah, the spike thing would have been kind of weird to pull out at the last minute, but like the gold thing was totally built up. Yeah. Something I'm curious about, especially at this point in the book, is they talked about how Vin is from a pure misborn line, like a pure line is what they described when they were talking about how the Lord Praelin, you know, I think Carr said, she's a very powerful Mistborn, something that can only come from a pure line. And that's how they were like, oh, this is the Lord Praelin or whatever, right? And then we see in this fight, Vin's able to do things, is continuously able to do things that that Kelsier thought was impossible. And so I'm kind of thinking now, like the different powers with Mistborn and stuff, is this pure line business something that's actually super duper important? Are there other pure line Mistborns out there that might be more powerful than the average? Well, I mean, there's, there's, that's a fantasy trope, you know, yeah, of like, yeah. you know, you, you have, uh, you know, the, the Skywalker line and things like that. But, but up to this point, we've been hammered with the idea of Kelsier's as good as he is because he's good. Right. Because he's very skilled. Well, I mean, it seems to be at least different levels, different levels for each person. I wonder if the same thing applies to Farrakami, actually. Um, but I, I, I just can't, you know, stop nerding out over this. But the big stuff to nerd out in is going to be coming up next. And the big info dump and epic stuff that comes up in the epilogue, we're going to discuss next time. Hey, everyone. Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.